I teased Jeff this morning while they were practicing between services, and I said, well, I see that in the bulletin that you're uh, uh, moving up, improving this uh, song in the second service, because Jeff sang that by himself in the first, but I was right. It was good in the first service, but it was even better, so thank you all. That was great. Appreciate that. And it's nice to have the, have the uh, reminders visually as well as we talk about love this morning. In fact, love may be one of the most used and I suspect perhaps misused words in our language today. Because you, if you notice, we can love a movie or ice cream or a piece of jewelry or clothing or nice weather, a friend, a child, a parent, spouse. When you stop to think about it, this wide use and misuse and various use of the word, we may wonder, do we even really know what love is? So I invite you this morning to listen to what Jesus said about love as I read from John's gospel. I'll be reading from chapter 15. I'll begin reading with verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I heard about my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Near Milford, Connecticut, there is a stream that is called by Indian words, Naromi Nausun Kalank Shunk. It's said to mean, you fish on your end of the stream and I'll fish on my end of the stream. I thought about that and I thought I would update it a bit. It kind of sounds like you tend to your business and I'll tend to mine. Um, That idea, that attitude may help us avoid some conflict. But I'm not sure it quite rises to the level of Christian responsibility to other Christians. Because some people have the mistaken idea, I think, that as long as we don't hurt anyone, we're meeting God's requirements of love. But notice in the text, which I just read and you were able to see, Jesus talks about love from a much different perspective. He talked about love in which we are all together in Christ. Now, I'm going to say something here. I'm going to pause, put it on pause. Aubrey is my new friend, and she's, I've already told her mom, don't you dare leave the sanctuary. Now, we don't mind if she acts like a little baby, right? 
We want her here. Okay. We, we want her here. Because you stop to think about it, it's a great sign of life. So, Aubrey, you just go ahead and be yourself. We're fine with it, okay? How about mom? Is mom going to be all right? No, it's harder on mom. But you look around, you'll see nobody wants you to leave. We want you to be here, even if she's a little fussy. Sometimes they're fussy while I preach too, but they just don't act like that. I'm going to say, I'm retired and I can do almost anything I want to anymore. (laughs) But that's one of the things I did before I retired. I have done on a number of occasions, I have said to young mothers, usually some mothers and dads don't get stuck with this, you know, mothers, don't leave. We want you. And in fact, when I was, uh, you know, last recently was doing Crawfordsville Christian Church and there was a young mother and she started to get up and I, I stopped and went and got her out of the hallway and brought her back. So just, just a warning, I might do it to you too, so just stay. Because when you stop to think about it, we're a family of God. We're a family of God. And everyone, no matter what their age, we're welcome here. So, all right, you can take it off pause. We're going back to the official stuff. When Jesus talked about love, the standard for the love that Jesus asked is his own love. Jesus gave a command says, love one another. And our usual response to a command is to make it a duty, something we've got to do. We've got to, we've got to do our duty. But in this case, when you talk about Jesus' commandment to love, duty is not enough. Stephen Moore, in his poem entitled The Second Mile, stated it like this. Stern duty said, go walk a mile and help your brother bear his load. I walked reluctant. But meanwhile, my heart grew soft with help bestowed. Then love said, go another mile. I went, and duty spoke no more. But love arose, and with a smile took all the burden that I bore. Tis ever thus when duty calls, if we spring quickly to obey. Love comes, and whatsoever befalls, we're glad to help another day. The second mile we walk with joy. Heaven's peace goes with us on the road. So let us all our powers employ to help others bear life's load. When Jesus gave the command to love one another, he didn't say anything about duty. He talked about living in his love. The standard of our love then is the love of Jesus. Now, what is Jesus' love? Jesus' love is doing what's good for the other person, whether that person deserves it or not, and in spite of what it cost him to do it. That's Jesus' love. Jesus erected no walls, drew no lines, set no limits to his love. He didn't include only those people that were nice or just the men or those who were of one particular race. We follow the standard of Jesus when we love everyone and do what's good for everyone. Now, Jesus did have one limit that he set for love, self-sacrifice. One cannot think about love without considering how Jesus expressed his love. He loved even when, indeed I think even until, it cost him his life. A number of years, century, in fact centuries ago now, 
when Cyrus was the king of Persia, his armies were very successful and they captured a, a country and brought back uh, all kinds of, of uh, animals and, and money that they had gotten, even some prisoners. And in the pr- group of prisoners that were brought before King Cyrus, there was a prince and his wife and their children. When Cyrus saw them, he had them brought to his tent. When they were in the tent, Cyrus asked this conquered, captured prince, what tribute will you pay me if I set you free? The prince said, I'll give you half of all I possess. And what will you give me if I release your children? Cyrus asked, I'll give you all that I possess. And then Cyrus said, what would you give me if I set your wife free? And the prince prince looked at him and said, if you'll set her free, I'll give you my life. Cyrus was so moved by his devotion that he released the entire family and sent them back without requiring them to pay anything. And when they were finally back home, the prince and his wife and the children, the prince said to his wife, what did you think of Cyrus? I didn't pay much attention to him, she said. You didn't pay any attention? Where were your eyes? exclaimed the husband. And she said, I had eyes only for the one who said he would give up his life for me. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for those he loved. And of course, he loved everyone. So he gave his life for everyone. And for us, the willingness to sacrifice our lives, it's not likely going to cost us our life. Instead, it likely means small sacrifices day in and day out as we do good things for other people as we go about our lives. But we follow the example of Jesus when we willingly sacrifice by doing good for other people. The result of the love Jesus asks is a relationship that enables bearing of fruit. Now sometimes we talk about this in this, in this text that, we're reading, that I used this morning, it's right after Jesus described himself. He said, I am the vine and you're the branches, describing the relationship he has with, with Christians as the supporting trunk and the branches that spread out. And it, it's in that relationship that we are able to live and we're expected to bear fruit. We're expected to produce things in our lives that are consistent with what God wants. But you have to be in contact S.D. Gordon tells about a spring storm that came sweeping through his community one year. He had a beautiful cherry tree in his yard, and he looked out and saw that one of the branches had been broken. Not off, but just broken, cracked. It stayed there, so he kind of watched it as the spring went by. And to his surprise, when blossoms began to appear on the tree, they also were on this broken branch. And later, cherries began to appear on the tree and on the broken branch. But then he noticed that on the broken branch, there were only a few cherries instead of the abundance of cherries on the rest of the tree. It was not enough contact to fully sustain the fruit. The result of our living with Jesus is that we will bear fruit. But what kind of fruit do people produce? What is it? It's not cherries, it's not peaches. The fruit that Christians produce involves being and doing. When we live in the love of Jesus, we become a community of love. That's what we are as a church. When we live in the love of Jesus, then we'll do those things that grow out of our relationship with Jesus. Because we're in contact with him, we'll do what he wants done. We will welcome all to the community of faith. We'll teach them about God. 
we will together serve the needs of other people. We will renew our lives regularly in worship of God together. We will bear fruit for Jesus when we act like Christians. Last century in Germany was a man by the name of Grosch. He lived in Germany and he was able to achieve a rather remarkable uh, feat with birds. He trained some bullfinches to whistle familiar folk tunes. Because exact repetition is one of the important keys in accomplishing such a task, Grosch tried to to speed up the process by recording the tunes on tape and then having the tape machine play in the presence of the birds even while he was gone. He thought that this would teach them automatically and he wouldn't have to spend as much time doing it. But it didn't work. Though the warblers responded... There was a lackluster quality, a mechanical style to their performance. And he said the tape recorder could only repeat the sounds, but it couldn't show the birds caring attention. The human touch was needed to make them good songsters. When God wanted to touch the lives of people, touching us in love, God came in his son Jesus. And when Jesus shares his love today, he does it with the human touch. And he invites us to live together in his love. Will you pray with me? Oh, gracious God, we thank you for your love. Your love that touches our lives, that changes our lives, that enables us to live in your family. Help us truly to be your servants. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.